You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I hate to be an ingrate. Sometimes people send me shit in the mail. Sometimes individuals send me little prezzies, and that's always welcome. Although I don't put my address out there. I take everything by uh, telephone and email, so you know it's kind of hard for people to send me shit. And they go out of their way to find my address, send me shit. I'm grateful for it. Sometimes businesses send me stuff because they want me to talk about their products on the podcast or in the column, and sometimes this shit is welcome, and sometimes it's not. Uh, I rarely... Uh, pimp products. Although last week I did, a couple weeks ago, pimped Slick It Up, uh, male fetish gear. Still waiting for a gift bag from you guys. But I got this box uh, at work recently uh, that really you know, exemplifies this pet peeve of mine. It's a big box of purported sex toys that are really just like chocolate frosting, vanilla powder, uh, shit to put on people and eat off. Because we Americans, we don't get enough chocolate in our diet generally, and we need to incorporate it into sex. We don't get enough sugar as is. We got to find new ways. I read the, read the ingredients. We got to find new ways to incorporate corn syrup into our diets because we're not getting enough in our soda pop and our bread and our meat, and every other goddamn thing we put in our mouth. You know what? Once a day, you should put something in your mouth that isn't covered in chocolate and jimmies. And maybe it should be a dick. Maybe you shouldn't have to put chocolate and jimmies on a dick to put it in your mouth. There's a time and a place for treats uh, after sex. If you want to have some chocolate, knock yourself out. But during sex... I can tell you from personal experience, when I was young and foolish, experimented with Hershey's syrup back in the day, and it just ends up looking like a scat scene gone terribly, terribly wrong. You go and look at yourself in the mirror after messing around with that, and you'll regret the chocolate sauce, the mirror, the whole fucking thing. And it's not necessary. And, you know, sex should be savory not sweet. And most of the people who are using like chocolate sauce and vanilla dusting powders, these are just people who don't like how their partner's genitals taste. These are people who are trying to avoid uh, the actual taste sensations of the human body. They're in denial about it. And it is sex negativity repackaged as sex positivity, as sex games, as a sexual, you know, a toy. Dick tastes like dick. Put a dick in your mouth. Maybe it's an acquired taste, but you acquired a taste for beer. Remember the first time you took a sip of beer? How disgusting that was? Now you love beer. Same for dick. You don't have to pour chocolate in your beer to drink your beer. You shouldn't have to dip dick in chocolate to suck your dick or somebody else's dick. Anyway, please, uh, you know, product company, you know, sex companies trying to move shit. Don't send me boxes of sex chocolate dusting powder cream cheese frosting for my lover's nipples care packages Uh, particularly with cards suggesting that i experiment with these delightful flavors with my partner terry and then talk about them on the podcast because i'm not gonna do it oh i love a cream cheese frosting on a cupcake not on my husband's dick which tastes just fine dick flavored Really quickly, but actually, before we get to your calls, you know, we went we began to go to calls, and 
one of the tech savvy at risk youth said, I wonder what a scat scene gone right looks like. Because I said it looked like a scat scene gone wrong. A scat scene gone right didn't happen. That's what a scat scene gone right looks like. It looks like you couldn't move your bowels. And so there was nothing, nothing happened. All right. You happy now, tech savvy at risk youth? There's your clarification. Not that you ever look at porn on your mobile phone, but if you were to do that, you'd be smart to do it at pinkvisual.com. Pinkvisual.com is secure, private, trustworthy, and works on all major smartphones and tablet devices. Pink Visual. They innovate. You masturbate. Hi, Dan. I just heard your show about um, men in public parks looking for a hookup. I just started Couch to 5K, and on my first run out, I stumbled upon one of those men. Um, it's a public park that's right next to a kid's soccer field. Uh, so in the event that this guy got caught, it's not like he would just be hit for public indecency. It'd be one of those life-destroying sort of callers. Um, as I, as I ran past him, a, a guy was coming in the other direction. You know, he, he waved and smiled and asked how my day was going. And I said, fine, except there's a guy whacking off in the bushes. I said it loud enough that the man must have heard me. Um, there was some wrestling. I assumed pants grabbing. I kept running away. I'm not sure what the, what the ethical thing to do was. I, I didn't want to get the police involved because it would be so life shattering, but I, I wasn't sure what the proper approach was, really. I know that there's not always a right answer, a single right answer, but was this a right answer? Okay, so let's not make a pedophile out of a public wanker necessarily. You said that, oh my God, this was by a soccer field where children play, but there were no children there at the time. So he wasn't wanking at children. He was just wanking in the bushes. Uh, and that's a shitty thing to do and a lot of people who engage in this sort of public sex stuff, uh, particularly people who want to be seen and perhaps he was one of those guys who wanted to be seen, they rely on the people that they're being witnessed by or the people who see it and uh, they rely on you to be more thoughtful and considerate and embarrassed and inhibited than they clearly are. He's not thoughtful. He is not considerate, not inhibited and not embarrassed. And so, you know, a lot of these guys, when they get seen or caught, uh, not by the police, but just by, you know, somebody stumbling upon them, they rely on the other person's sort of shock and terror uh, to kind of dominate the situation because there you were kind of intimidated, not knowing what to do. And then therefore he's kind of getting away with it. But these guys are really kind of cowardly and these guys, their bubble is easily pricked. All you have to do is kind of do what you did where you turned and shouted, there's a guy masturbating in the bushes and that ruins it for them because that the effect that they want to have on the world is, is your being tongue-tied, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say, being intimidated by the glory and power of their exposed penis, right? So if you just turn and point and laugh and make public their actions in a way that is ridiculous and embarrassing, it really ruins it for them. And, and I advise this to, you know, my friends who took their kids to a place where there were a couple of gay guys fucking in the bushes. They'd accidentally stumbled on a public sex environment. They didn't know what to do. And I said, all you have to do is like start talking to them and they will run. They will turn tail and dash 
because it ruins it for them um, when you uh, demonstrate that you aren't intimidated uh, and you are not inhibited. It re-inhibits them. So if you see this happen again, if you're running on the same path and people are jerking off in the same bushes, scream and yell. If there are kids present, if you, if there are kids present, if you sense that there's any sort of like pedo predation going on, do not hesitate to call the cops. But it doesn't sound in this instance like that was what was happening. If he was about kids and jerking off in the vicinity of general direction of <laughs> to the inspiration of children, he would be there when there were children present. So you did the right thing. You just didn't know you did the right thing. And uh, keep it up. Hi, Dan. Uh, I was calling uh, with a technical question, I guess. I had uh, been thinking recently every time, anyway, I jerked off, I usually use tissue paper to clean up. But in this modern, uh, greener society we live in, I thought maybe that wasn't the best way to keep doing it. I've just always done it that way since I was a kid. Uh, so I've kind of been thinking about the alternative methods. Um, I've always been told not to let spoo go down the drains like a sink or a shower because it can clog with the hair and everything else. Um, the toilet would seem like a good uh, alternative, but if I have a roommate around, I don't want to be walking through the hallway with uh, some spoo in my hands. So that leaves the spoo rag... Um, but I'm not exactly sure what hygiene issues come along with that. How often do people wash their spoo rags? Is it just keep enough around that, you know, there's always a fresh one available? Uh, anyway, if you have any thoughts on this, I'd love to hear them. Love the show. My first thought is uh, sensitive, intelligent, concerned for the environment guy like you. You must be composting, right? Can't you just walk to the compost bin and... Shake it in, scrape it off on the side. I would urge you, if you're really that concerned about your tissue consumption uh, and you don't want to deal with a crusty spoo rag uh, in the house, just to use your dirty socks like most teenagers. Just drop them by the side of the bed at night and if you're so inspired, give them a wipe up with a dirty sock that's going to go in the laundry anyway. A cum stain on a dirty sock isn't going to matter because no one's looking at the bottom of your feet when you're walking around in your socks slash cum rags. But again, I, I would urge you to that, – that shit is compostable. So you might want to compost it. Hi, Dan. I'm a 32-year-old bi woman in a polypiagallic triad. Um, we're not new to kinky. We've been going to a the time, and so I'm not naive when it comes to stuff like that. Um, in the last couple of years, the relationship with my primary male partner has been morphing into a femdom relationship that slowly has been getting more and more into pet play, um, which has been good. It's just always been kind of lighthearted and fun. There's some affection that way, some nuzzling, some licking, um, on all fours kind of stuff, and I'm not new to things like puppy play and stuff like that within the gay male community especially, but this last weekend, we splurged and picked him up a tail, and it caused this incredible reaction in me that I don't really know how to handle. When he first got it on and was down on all fours and being all cute and affectionate, 
um, my heart started racing, got incredibly turned on, I got incredibly scared, I started crying, I withdrew, and I didn't have a good explanation for him as to what happened. And I don't know if it was just a level of it was too good to be true and my brain slipped out or if it was too far and I didn't know what to do. So I guess I'm kind of trying to figure out if it just means play with it more because right now I'm almost scared to see it because it still gives me kind of this electrical joke to my heart, to my bits, so to speak. Um, even when I think about it, if it's just play with it more and see what happens or leave it alone and revisit it. I don't know many about much about females with um, puppies. I'm not sure what to tell you. I have no fucking idea why the sight of one of those puppy tail butt plugs would induce that reaction in you or anyone else. Personally, when I see them, no disrespect to puppy play or its aficionados or practitioners. But when I see them, it looks like a very shiny, curved, pointy poop coming out of someone's ass because, you know, it, it's not an extension of the tailbone. It's coming straight out of someone's asshole. Maybe you have this repressed memory, although I do not believe in repressed memories. Maybe you have this repressed memory of – a very traumatic shit your dog took once or you watched your family dog's tail impale someone and they die. I have no fucking idea. But I have to say that this sounds like a Savage Love cast caller in search of a problem that's interesting enough to make the Love cast. In which case, Yahtzee and you succeed. I'm not saying that this didn't actually happen, but – Maybe you're one of those like poly triad types who's you know kind of into the drama of everything of the relationship and you know there are drama queens out there who sometimes will have drama queen reactions to things that seem completely random and not quite drama inducing like the addition of a tail to an ongoing already established puppy play dom sub relationship maybe that's your problem and maybe it's not. Uh, but if it isn't, I don't know what the fuck the problem is. I, but, you know, I, I have to answer your question. Should you leave the puppy tail be or go for it again? Well, if you don't have some sort of grand mal seizure that sends you flying across the room at the side of the puppy tail, thereby risking death if you, you know, should catch the edge of the marble coffee table with the side of your head, yeah, like haul the thing out again, stick it in his ass, have him wag his tail. If you always have this reaction, well, then you have some sort of brain damage uh, that disqualifies you from being able to play with this particular toy and you need to call Oliver Sacks and not me and talk with him on his podcast and not me on mine. When you hear the word porn, I'll bet the first thing that pops into your mind isn't the word trustworthy. Well, I'm happy to tell you that there's a place to go for online porn that you can trust and that place is pinkvisual.com. Pink Visual is a different kind of porn company. Pink Visual is run by women, nerdy, ethical women who know how to treat their customers right. They're still cute, mind you, but they won't try to steal your money while distracting you with their boobies. See what these gorgeous geeks have to offer you today at pinkvisual.com. Pink Visual. They innovate. You masturbate. Hey, Dan. I'm a late bloomer and am pretty new at the casual sex scene, so I'm calling about a mismanners question for you. So if you have a one-night stand and you're not in college, you're both grown-ups, same age, 
with someone in your creative writing class, when you see that person at an open mic poetry, um, isn't it kind of rude of that person to ignore you? Or am I totally off base? Is eye contact and a hello asking too much these days? Yes, it is rude of that person to ignore you. That person may, you know, mistakenly believe that they were so awesome in bed that if they throw you any bone at all, any acknowledgement that you're going to boil their bunny and stalk them and be unshakable, uh, it is kind of a conceited thing when someone will not acknowledge you after having had a one-night stand, assuming that it went well and, you know, you didn't stick a tail in his ass and then have some sort of seizure as a result. Here's what you do, though. It's really easy to get your revenge when somebody does that. You have a one-night stand or you know a fuck-buddy thing that ends with somebody and the next time you see them, they're pretending you don't exist. You just walk right up to them and say, hey, how are you? How's it going? And if they act any more assholey after that, if they continue to ignore you, turn away, then you start speaking in a very loud voice about the one-night stand you had and how incredibly rude it is to ignore someone that you've had a one-night stand with um, with a big smile on your face. Hi, Dan. Um um, Texas, and um, I recently, well, two months ago, I guess, um, started being involved in a, in a relationship with a guy who has a primary partner. Um, he has a long-term boyfriend, and I guess I'm the, I'm the other guy, and the piece on the side, and that's fine with me. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, I want a relationship. I don't want anything serious. And um, yeah, it's working out perfectly for me. Except, obviously, since I'm calling you for a few things. Um, mostly, within the last week, um, the guy I'm seeing has been very adamant about me seeing and meeting his primary partner. And I guess that this is um, one of their agreements as a you know, as a, you know, openly communicative, open relationship, they get to meet the other's piece on the side. And um, I have a, I have kind of a problem with that. Um, I really enjoy being intimate with my, I, I call him my boyfriend, um, with my boyfriend. And I really enjoy being with him the two of us, and I'm afraid, and I actually, at this point, I have met his boyfriend um, once out, and when we were there together, all three of us, I felt super strange, even though his boyfriend knew about me um, as my boyfriend's second, um, I still didn't know what my role was, like, I didn't know if I, you know, could be touchy-feely with my boyfriend or if, you know, when they were together and I was there, I was relegated to the friend category. And it made me feel very uncomfortable and sort of useless and unsexy and all that. Um, he's been pretty insistent that I at least be social with him and his boyfriend. I don't want to be in a polyamorous relationship. I just want the one guy. Um, and I want to know if I can say to him, listen, I like the way things are right now. I don't necessarily want to be friends or boyfriends with your boyfriend. Um, 
is it reasonable of me to say that I don't want to hang out socially with your boyfriend? Perfectly reasonable thing for you to say. I don't want to be social with your boyfriend. It makes me uncomfortable. I want to be third. That's how you're feeling and that's what you would prefer. Perfectly reasonable to put that on the table. It's also perfectly reasonable for your boyfriend and his other boyfriend, primary boyfriend, primary partner, husband, whatever the hell he's called, to then turn around and tell you that he's not able to continue to see you. If interacting socially with his boyfriend, his primary partner, is a deal breaker because you know they have this ongoing thing, this, this relationship that's open. Uh, it's open because they negotiated the terms uh, of openness. And if for your boyfriend's primary partner's comfort, he needs to get to know you, uh, thereby to not perhaps see you as a threat and to you know have some bond with you too of affection, if not a sexual bond, but just a social bond. And that's what he needs to give his boyfriend permission to have another boyfriend. Then you may get your ass dumped. And that's perfectly reasonable for you to get your ass dumped under those circumstances. So state your case. See what your boyfriend says. If getting to know your boyfriend's boyfriend is something you're willing to do to keep your boyfriend in your life, then that's a price of admission that you're willing to pay and you'll pay it. If it's not, then this relationship may be coming to an end. Hi, Dan. My name's Kaylin. I'm a 19-year-old girl from New York, and I have a boyfriend, but I'm going abroad this summer, and I really want to make out a cute European voice. And I don't think my boyfriend would really appreciate that. And I don't want to cheat on him, but I feel like he's too sensitive for me to just break up with him and get back together with him next semester. So I don't know what to do. Break up with him. <laughs> yes, yes, I have nothing else to say. Text have yet refused. Put, push the button and bring the next call. I have nothing more to say to this girl. Um, if you don't break up with him, I actually have more to say to you. If you don't break up with him, you're going to cheat on him and then you're going to have a much messier breakup that will preclude any possibility of being together again under different circumstances later in the future because you are going to fuck somebody in Europe on your European vacation and I recommend that you do. Sex and travel and travel and sex are broadening. Please use condoms. Please be safe. So what you should do is say I'm breaking up with you now to spare us a much messier breakup later because I know that when I'm abroad that I'm probably going to fuck other guys. So let's just end it now honestly and in an above board fashion and then we can revisit our relationship in the fall and then you'll see. Good luck. Have fun. Fuck a German or a Dane. They're awesome. Hey, Dan. Um, I have got a question about getting over things. And being able to move on, I uh, was in an almost six-year relationship, and we did get married, and we were separated in the forest uh, about a year ago. But um, part of the problem was, you know, just his lack of doing anything. But also part of it was I just discovered, I mean, I knew he was obsessed with porn before we were together. And I knew he was obsessed with strip clubs. But the whole time we were together, I would try and be open about it and just be like, just be honest with me and whatever. And he'd always be like, no, I don't need that anymore. And um, I recently found out because he got a do not rent on a video account of a place that I frequent, which rents movies and also has a large section of adult movies. And I just heard the list of everything he'd been watching. And it's just 
hard, not because, I mean, of course I'm insecure about porn, obviously, but the lying and the pathological lying and that mistrust and then to find out it was the whole entire time and to also know that when I kicked him out, he didn't do anything to come back. I obviously don't want him. It's obviously not the issue, but it's just like, how do you get closure to that and let go of it? Because I'm dating a really great guy right now, and I don't want to just drag out trying to find closure to my old relationship when I have someone who I do really trust. But to find out all of that, it's just, I don't, I mean, it's that he lied, or I knew he was a liar, but just to know it was, that he would never admit it. So I always felt crazy in it to find that. It's just a lot. So how do you find closure to things that don't mess up what is really good right now and still have healthy feelings and, like, is it okay for me to still be mad? And I know there's no point in doing anything like contacting him. He's completely pathetic and not worth it, but how do you find closure and move on? All men watch porn. All of them. Every last one of them. There's an interesting study in the UK where they wanted to compare men who watched porn to men who didn't watch porn, and they couldn't actually find any men who hadn't watched porn for the control group. So they canceled the study. So I'm not sure what to tell you. This guy was clearly the guy you were dating and you still who still has his hooks in you somehow because you sound really devastated by this pseudo-betrayal, this guy you were dating was telling you what you wanted to hear, which is that he wasn't watching porn. And in every relationship you're ever going to be in for the rest of your life, you're very likely to be told what you want to hear by the guys you're dating, which is that they're not watching porn. And you can then choose yourself to be grateful that they're considerate enough to tell you what you need to hear and then hide their tracks well enough that you don't stumble over any evidence uh, that they're cheating on you. Ha ha ha. Not, it's not cheating, but that they're watching porn. Or you can just be a basket case for the rest of your life, policing uh, your boyfriends or future husbands, online activities and constantly needing reassurances that they're not watching porn, which will then make the inevitable discovery that they are or have been even if it's only every once in a while, shattering and devastating. Really, it's up to you. The solution when it comes to porn for porn discordant couples, and I hate to break this out along gender lines, but it so often does that I'm just going to say husbands who watch porn and wives who hate porn and don't watch their husbands watching porn. The only solution that works is he tells you what you want to hear, you pretend to believe him. And he is then courteous enough to cover his tracks religiously and completely, and then you are grateful for that effort. Because when you're not uncovering evidence of watching porn, it doesn't mean they're not watching porn. It just means they're going out of their way to protect you from that because they care about you, care about how you feel. And they don't, it, you know, you could say, well, if they cared enough, then they wouldn't watch porn at all. Yeah, you could say that, but then you know what? You should get a dog, not a man, a dog with a real dog tail that won't make you have a heart attack and die. A dog you can castrate legally as opposed to a man who is going to fuck you and love you and be into you and attracted to you and also every once in a while want to look at something else 
It's just the way men are wired. And you know what? It's the way women are wired too. And you can long for, I don't know, the programmable husband-boyfriend who isn't like all other men. Or you can have a man who actually exists who may not be able to reach into his hard wiring and yank out this desire to see, if not have, a little variety and suspend your disbelief and pretend that you have the porn-free husband that no one actually does have and get on with your fucking life. Really, get on with your fucking life. We're talking about an ex-boyfriend, a year ago ex-boyfriend, and you're almost in tears because he is like all other men, including, and I hate to say this because it just sounds cruel, including your current boyfriend. I promise you. So you need to get over it. You need to resolve to be over it. And you need to be grateful to your past boyfriend for his efforts to successfully cover his tracks until this you know, shattering discovery at the video store. And your current boyfriend for his currently successful efforts to cover his tracks. Your feelings are being taken into consideration. The love is evident and it should be good enough. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a young straight male from Canada. And the reason I'm keeping the details sort of vague is because I think my ex-girlfriend listens to your podcast. But anyway, um, I've got a question where I was with a girl for about two years. And that was an okay relationship. Um, we broke up recently because I thought that she was a pretty controlling bitch. And basically, I by the end of it, started to totally hate her. Somewhat recently, I've been talking to my family doctor, and I got referred to a psychiatrist, and I it turns out I've been dealing with a lot of um, issues lately, like anxiety and depression. Um, I got diagnosed with both of those, and now I'm on medication and doing therapy and that sort of thing. Um, and looking back in retrospect, I, I didn't really realize at the time, but I was definitely the problem in that relationship. I think I did a lot of emotional abusing, and I think I did a lot of manipulation because I'm able to do that. I'm pretty good with words. I'm pretty good at man manipulating people, which is obviously a bad thing, but I'm not proud of it. Um, and I really want to know, like, what should I do? I haven't talked to this girl for at least Oh, geez, five months, like whenever we broke up, right? Um, and, you know, I'm, it's just been on my mind nonstop for the past five, six days. I really want to call her and tell her I'm sorry, but at the same time, I feel like, should I just leave her alone? Is that my duty? Because I don't think she, like, obviously, I have no plans of getting back together with her. She let her, I left her. The relationship ended for a good reason. Um, she wouldn't want to get back together with me, and I don't really think I want to get back together with her, but I feel like I have this duty to tell her, and at the same time, I feel like she's got this right to not speak to me ever again. Um, so what do you think I should do, Dan? Do you think I should tell her? Do you think I should leave her alone? Well, if she listens to the podcast, you've told her perhaps a sincerely remorseful question phoned into a podcast that she listens to will suffice. If, if you think she doesn't or you weren't able to say everything that you wanted to say, write her. Write her an email. You probably still have her email. And then the beauty of an email is she can read it or delete it, read part of it, uh, 
put it aside to read later. Uh, if right now is not the time that she wants to hear from you. But you can extend that apology in an email and uh, sounds like you really want to get this off your chest. And who doesn't like to get an abject, remorseful apology from the ex who dumped us? Even if it's not an offer to get back together, that kind of communication from an ex is almost always welcome. So long as it's delivered in a way that the person receiving the apology, hopefully abject apology, isn't cornered. To approach her at work to apologize would be the wrong thing to do. To call her on the phone and put her on the spot in the moment would be the wrong thing to do. To walk up to her if you see her in public and you guys kind of nod and acknowledge each other, that would be the wrong thing to do. Particularly if it ended ugly and you were a bit crazed and she has reason or cause to fear you, all of those approaches are wrong. But an email, an email is the right way. Or if you're worried about that being forwarded around, a handwritten letter explaining where you're at now, where you were at then, you know, the way you've grown, what you what you see now that you didn't see then, and your apology. Hi, Dan. Uh, this is Michelle. I am a 30-year-old straight woman. I'm very GGG and kinky, um, and I also have a very interesting uh, work background and history. Um, so let me give you a little bit of that. Uh, I was in the Navy for four years, so I'm a military girl. When I got out, I got a civil engineering degree, um, did that for a couple of years, and now I'm in graduate school getting my master's degree in counseling because I want to be a sex-positive therapist. You have inspired me. Um, anyway, so that's kind of my background. Now, here's my problem. I recently met a guy on OkCupid. Um, he's bisexual, he's also very GGG and kinky, and the sex is fantastic. It's the best sex I've ever had, um, and I've had a lot of sex. I've had, you know, upwards of a little over 30 partners, um, and the vast majority of them have been very vanilla and boring. Um, so it's a frustration for me. So I finally find this really sweet guy, he's really great in bed. And I think he's a big, fat liar. Um, and I don't know what to do with that. So that's my question for you. Um, he's really sweet. He's great in bed. But I think he has really low self-esteem. And he's trying to impress me with these ridiculous stories. Um, he claims that he has an aerospace engineering degree. He claims that he was in the Marines as an officer. He claims that after that, he was recruited by the CIA and was this secret undercover agent all over the world, and that he was kidnapped by the Colombian government and held in a shed and escaped and had to kill a guy with a railroad spike and all these really outrageous stories that are kind of just sounds like one-upmanship. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm just being a judgmental bitch. Maybe he really has done all these things that are very similar to what I have done, only bigger and better. Um, or not, maybe he's full of shit. So that's my question. Um, should I go with it and give him the benefit of the doubt and keep enjoying this fantastic sex? Or are these red flags? Should I call him out on his bullshit um, or just just run for the hills. 
Crazy motherfuckers are sometimes awesome sex. Lying sex is shit, sometimes awesome sex. If all you're after is a little awesome sex and you can smile and nod and listen to the lies and not let it bother you and it doesn't escalate if he's not like a growing ball of crazy and there's some sort of danger coming your way or there are lots of railroad spikes lying around his apartment and you still have a soft spot in your head, I don't know. Then keep fucking him and get what you want out of him and he'll get what he wants out of you, which is also an excellent fuck, presumably, and uh, someone to listen to his lies because as Homer Simpson said, it takes two people to lie, one person to lie and another person to listen. Hi, Dan. My, um, well, I live in Oregon. I love the podcast. I'm responding to episode 242 where there was a uh, an expert on talking about transgender and when is a good time to, to disclose? And uh, this expert said that it's really personal, it's up to you. And, uh, well, I have some personal experience. I was with a man for two years before he told me that he was transgender. And I, I tried to be supportive. Uh, he said that he knew before he even met me. And uh, it, it just didn't go well. I mean, I tried to be there. I took him out makeup shopping, I went out with him, you know, dressed as a woman. I tried to be there, and I just couldn't get over the lying. How someone could keep that secret from me for two years, um, we ended up not making it. <laughs> but at any rate, I, I think that if someone knows that they're trans, I think it's really irresponsible to get in a relationship, a long-term relationship, and not tell that person. I'm 33 years old. I would have married that guy. And it, we've been broken up now for, oh goodness, um, more than two years. And I've dated people since then, but I really have a hard time trusting people. Hi, I'm calling in response to podcast 242 to when um, you and the guest Ezra Getson were talking about whether or not uh, the caller's partner was trans. And there was actually just one really specific part I wanted to to expand on, um, which was that when you were talking about um, if someone not wanting penetration means they're trans and Ezra was saying, no, it doesn't have to mean that. It could be sexual abuse or vulnerability, physical discomfort, medical condition. And I don't disagree with any of that. Um, but it also just made me a little bit sad that it seemed kind of pathologizing. Um, I'm a sex educator and I'm queer and I spend all day uh, talking to people who think that they're broken and who need to be reassured that however they get off is how they get off and that's fine. And some people just don't like penetration and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It just means it's not what feels good to them and that there are other ways they get off that feel great. And so I know that's not what either you or Ezra meant to do. It's, and it's a really little point in a much longer call. It just seemed to me like that was sort of playing into the idea that there's a kind of sex we should want and then there are ways we can be broken. Hey, Dan, this is Axel from Durham. I love your show. I'm calling you via the Savage Love app from my droid. It's just a quick comment about that guy who was wondering if the girl he's dating's boobs are real. Um, I, If you have known someone for two years and you're dating them and you can't ask whether their boobs are real, you probably have bigger issues than whether or not her boobs are real. And we're going to 
leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a question or a comment for a future show, please give us a buzz. You can also comment online on each and every podcast. We can only run a few responses every week. So if you've got something to say and you want to make sure it gets out there, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast. You can look up each and every show and leave your insights and criticisms there. 206-201-2720. That's the number. Me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Mm-hmm.